0: I, we were sitting here talking, one with the other, Brother Thomas and I, and Brother Rhodes that have just had the privilege of meeting, and uh, we were having a, you know how we have a little uh, sense of humor, Minister, to you know, was well, what I was going to speak about this morning, one of us here, but I have not time letting off some steam. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> that's the only way we have a letting off steam is when we have uh, a little sense of humor. And a uh, godly, saintly old brother It just went on to glory that most all of us are acquainted with is Brother F.F. F. Bosworth. And he always had a great sense of humor. I used to be a little reluctant about uh, watching and listening because I want yay, yay, and nay, nay. When I seen this godly old man and the sense of humor he had, then I seen other great servants, Brother Vale and these other brethren here, and all of them, when they get together, they had a little sense of humor. And I thought, well, maybe that's just a a tradition of this last day amongst ministers. And then I was reading in the pre-Nicene council and the Nicene fathers and so forth of some of those great servants of Christ in bygone years and they had sense of humor. And you will finally come out to find out that God's got a sense of humor. So <laughs> talking of fellowship, I was thinking one that Brother Bosworth used to say, he said to me, he said, Brother Bram, you know what fellowship is? I said, yes, I believe I do. He said, it's two fellows and one ship. So <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> That's what... You can be pretty close together there, you know, mm-hmm. so that's a fellowship, and this is certainly a great time of it, a fellowship. Now, I had, as I you get a little older, I, I don't think as fast as I did when I was the, a young man like Brother Parker here. I, he was uh, talking a while ago, he said he was always telling his wife she's getting old and he's getting young, and so forth and I tried that at home too but it don't work very good. Don't <laughs> know well, whether he can make it work or not, was, but however when I told him just, this ten years difference in our age, I said you come on up the road ten more years and instead of pushing that Bible away like that, you'll have to be looking through a few glasses when you get a little older. And uh so we're very pleased with this meeting and its results. And I was having a little time. Brother Parker here was explaining to me some of the, the Scriptures. And I know what you all are going through with down there at the at the building, down at the tabernacle of uh, this uh, teaching of the Scripture. And how what a humble, sweet way he approached it uh, to tell me about some things, which I told him as soon as he got on some paper, let me have it. So I could sit down and study on it. And uh I like that approach, don't you? To somebody that don't try to poke something down you, but just let it be humbly and sweetly. The other, some days ago, I was talking to a, a group of brethren who had of a certain denomination, and they were really pulling me through the coals. And they said, it's ridiculous to preach divine healing. Oh my, they note all the book, you know, and said, why that days is gone long time ago I said well somewhere brother it's returned again because I, said, I, I sure am. and they were telling me that about I should not have tried to preach without having an education without going to Bible school and learning something and I, I just waited till they got finished and I said, you know I said, I'll tell you you brethren really must have a great time I said. You know, in all my eras and mistakes, and he, he loves me the way he does, and I just can't understand stand it sometimes. I just wonder them it's in the truth, wonder how he, they can ever stand it then. <laughs> oh, oh, loving it like that. Feek and all this era that we are supposed to be in, you know, and if he loves us this much, how about those who really have the truth? I imagine they really have a time, don't you? So we'll just remain as we are until um, he shows us our era, and then we'll... Move on up into what they think is the truth, if he says it is, and his word declares it. And uh, so, but in a group like this, it's the closest place to heaven that there is on earth. When here we are sitting together this morning, we are already dead. That job's done over, and we are we are buried. That's right, all buried. And uh, then we are not only that, but we are risen again. Yeah, We're yeah, raised. That's right. And in Christ, in His resurrection, we're part of it. And now we're assembling together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See? We are in Him by baptism. See, by one Spirit, all baptized in one body, and here we are. Now assemble the body of the Lord Jesus. And now your service starts in about 30 minutes or 35 minutes. And if I would try to use this text of letting off the steam we'd be letting it off till noon and i, I guess we'd be be letting off right <laughs> but i thought maybe i would just take a little testimony of something and and so we can get back to the church i'd love to be there and sit under the teaching of these great uh, uh servants of christ brother vale brother up there and our precious brother parker and um brother iverson and many of the other brethren here and would like to hear them. He's telling me the order of the meeting. Letting the Spirit move. I like that. And then the next man it raises up carries that on in harmony. Now that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's right. But when you find out someone comes in contradictory, then that's, that breaks that time of fellowship. It breaks the... See, there's something wrong in that. Now... I told Brother Parker, as he graciously invited me one time, maybe maybe next year if the Lord, Terry, uh, might come back, and I'd like to go down and, and have a day just to sit with the brethren and talk of my own personal experience of how meeting Spirit itself. You can't talk out before the world out there, those things. If you say something, I've watched it, just speak a word. And one will take it and lean this way with it. And the other will take it and lean that way with it. And the first thing you know, it's altogether off of the subject altogether. And then it gets out amongst the people and some said, Brother Bram says this. And that, well, it's not only to me, it's with any brother like that. So this is to set together with ministers where you have the privilege of raising up and that's what makes you pure is when you can sit down and listen and divide your, your thoughts together. Now, I appreciate all this wonderful time. I do solicit your prayers as I go on. Uh, in I've got to go now down south from here to Columbia, and then hurry right home. I get home Wednesday night, leave Thursday morning. I get home Wednesday night, 9, 10 o'clock. I leave about 4 o'clock Thursday morning to go to the West Coast to begin services at the Cow Palace. And... Uh, from there, that's the great livestock, Western livestock exhibit at Southgate, California, and then we go from there on up into Grass Valley, and uh, that's near up towards Nevada, and then on to the uh, up into the World Fair State this year, and then on into Canada, and we're kind of scheduled waiting to see you get to California from going on into Alaska from there. So, pray for me. I appreciate you, Brother Parker and his great love and, and to invite me to come here to his convention and the privilege of turning me loose on a platform to say whatever God would put on my heart to say. I appreciate a godly man. And, uh, brothers and sisters, I thought this morning just to talk to you from my heart. Uh, there's not too many doors open for me. And uh, I am not holding this against my brethren, not at all, but uh, I believe sometimes it's just like I said, the people take the wrong attitude and lean this way and that way with it, and it causes confusion among the brethren. And I can see they shepherds and can understand it. Of course, I've been expecting it, and um, I believe that it would, and I have convictions of my own, as every minister does. I try not amongst congregations to try to sow a discord because that's one thing God hates yes. is discord among brethren. But when I'm out in the meetings, I I try to uh, hold just the great, uh, I'd call it, I guess, great fundamental evangelical teachings and doctrines of the Bible, the fundamental, the personal appearance of Jesus, and the physical death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and uh, return, and so forth. I just teach those things divine healing and so forth which all of us full gospel people surely agree upon that and uh, I want you to brethren to know that uh the tapes that I teach in my own church got out among you and so forth are among your congregations Uh and I have my own convictions and, and of course now to back down on my uh, convictions I wouldn't do it because Amen. I'd be a hypocrite see. Right. I, I'd be a hypocrite right. to do that so uh, I do believe what i taught on the tapes, I believe every word. Amen. Of it. I would right. not uh, feed the people the wrong thing. And if I'm wrong, and I, I pray that God will forgive me for it because it's the best of my understanding. And so, uh, but to invite me here and to have this ministerial fine group of ministers sitting here this morning, godly man. And uh, I uh, was at a, a gracious brother not long ago <laughs> and sister's... Uh, excuse me I was uh, at Phoenix in a most glorious meeting with a precious brother who I love and he called me to his room he was deeply sincere and he said brother Branham he said you know I love you and I said thank you my brother I certainly love you and he said you know we feel like that your ministry has kind of been a great cream of the crop I said oh don't say that I said, it's I don't that's not right. I said, I just followed the Lord and you've done the same, so <laughs> we're all I said, Look how he's blessed you beyond what he ever has me and the great things that he's given you. I said, He never done those things to me and I said, You have to take lots of money and I never did really take up money because I guess he would you know he maybe he couldn't trust me with it, see and I said I Another thing, I said my little ministry. I couldn't go to little bitty places like just recently held a meeting where I only helped twenty people. But the Lord led me there, and I, I want to go where He leads me. I don't need money, you see, and I, I just want to go wherever I feel led to go. And the other day, even in the midst of all this trouble, I looked over our books, and three hundred or better major cities in the United States calling for me to come to them. So besides the foreign fields, so. I was um, this brother said well here's what I want to tell you brother Branham he said you you are you're too radical I said well I'm an Irishman by by birth of uh, first birth <laughs> a Jew by second and I said anyway I said then you know they mix that together I said hard tell what you would have and I said maybe I'm, I said I, I am just actually Radical, I guess. It's just my nature to be that way. I just go wholehearted. When I think anything's right, I just sell out everything I got to it, you see. And I said, that's the way it was of Christ to me. And I, my people before me back was Catholic. And I said, from Ireland, all come from Dublin. And I said, then they, <clears throat> that I heard about when I was a little boy, the things that happened. There was a call in my life. And then the Catholics said, We are the church, and it shuts the rest of them out. And I go up to Luther and they say, We are the church, and shut shuts all the rest of them out. And I said, About six, seven hundred, maybe nine hundred different denominations, how are we gonna know what's right? So I just got to the Bible and I just stay with the way I read it and just keep it like that. And he said, Well, here's one thing, he said, You're always hammered at them women. He said, I said, I am jealous of them. And he said, you tell them how they must dress and all about they're too sexy and, and they shouldn't wear those clothes and those shorts and quit cutting their hair and all Amen. these other things. You Amen. said, Amen. said you hammer at Amen. that. Amen. He said, well, I said, that's in the scripture. Amen. So he Amen. said, uh, he said, well, I know it too. I said, don't you believe that being a Pentecostal minister? He said, yes, but said, brother Branham, he said, the people believe you to be a prophet. I said, no, I'm not. He said, but they believe you that way. He said, and you should be teaching those women how to receive great spiritual gifts and things like that. And said, then, then the church would be better off. I said, brother, he said, if you're deeper with God, teach the people deeper with God. I said, how can I teach them algebra when they won't even listen to their ABCs? Amen. I said, I Amen. said, huh? when I said Amen. so that's Amen. just about, uh, he said, well, brother Branham, can I, um, Do something for you. He said, I believe if you would just leave that off and just go ahead and pray for the sick and I and and let it go. God called you to pray for the sick. I said, that is true. He said, then just leave it go at that. So you just leave it, go and pray for the sick. I said, but what about this other? He said, I don't believe that either. But said, You know what? If I said something like that, well I said they would this, that. I said, There you are. There you are. See, I said if we don't stand for it then who's going to this generation's got to be judged and i said and it's got to come from somewhere he said well i'll tell you what i do will you permit me to lay my hands upon you and pray that god will open your eyes to truth i said i will under one condition if you let me return the compliment (laughs) i said very well so we pray for one another I hope it helps me a whole lot. I certainly do. I hope hope his prayer helps me because I I want to be helped. I'm here for that purpose. Now, it's just now 25 minutes until your service starts. But let me just read one word out of the Bible here and just talk or give a testimony. And then we will go. Matthew 5, 8. Um, Let's see. I believe I'll read more than that. I've got something else I want to read. This comes on my mind if I can find it now, just where it was at. If I believe I can, I'm not too sure of it. I've got to to, uh, read something here out of St. John. Yes, I want to read it from here. St. John, the sixth chapter. Let's begin about, about the sixth chapter and the 36th verse. But I said unto you, that you also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should not lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day." Jesus, pardon me, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which come down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except my Father, which has sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father cometh to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father." Verily I say, verily, verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. I was just thinking while I was sitting here at the table and my little context of a text that I had wrote out there, letting off steam. I thought this morning, what causes people to drive? Our uh, I've got a friend uh, here that's come all the way from Texas and, and across the country. I've got friends sitting here from Canada, and we got friends uh, from all around in this little group of people this morning. Some of us are ministers, some are workmen, housewives, and so forth. and. What is the purpose of us assembling together? Many of you all come each year to hear our uh, precious brother and his teaching. And many of you read his articles, and I've read them, and I think they're profound. Always Billy, who's our secretary of the campaign Saves that midnight cry for me each time, because I like to read Brother Parker's, uh, his approach to the Scripture. And, uh, you read it, and you, you think of it, and then when the meetings are, we assemble together. It's because that there's something inside of us that longs to, to hear more, to, to, to get a hold of something. It's life. There is no greater word that we could think of this morning in life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. How blind a person must be that can't see life. And think that many people uh, doesn't see life. Now, we might see it, but the word see doesn't mean to look at. The word see means to understand it. Amen. Now Jesus said to Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Now, and otherwise, you'd be looking at something and you say, I don't see it, you mean you don't understand it. To see what we call see, that's to look at. But to see in Bible terminology is to understand what we're looking at, to be revealed. And we assemble together like this that Christ might be revealed among us. That's what the conventions are held for. And such a great thing as life. I was thinking of a testimony. That I might give at this time, just to take up another 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I preached one time, maybe here. I preached at several places on Show Us the Father, and it will suffice us. And to see God all around us. An old man used to live there on the river, he's gone on now. And he was an old fisherman, his little boy, He'd screw up the river and fish with him the little fella one day coming down the river he had uh, the rain had come and washed out the skies from the dust and all the leaves off the trees and the rainbow came out in the in the west or in the east they were going westward down the Ohio River and the old fisherman began great big tears running down his cheeks as he watched the rainbow and the little fella was so enthused he got up to the boat uh, to the middle of the boat and he said, Sir, I want to ask you a question. said, My pastor cannot answer it. My mother, my Sunday school teacher, said, If God is so great, said, Why can't one see Him? And the the old fellow, overcome by the little fellow's expression, put his arms around him, he said, Bless your heart, honey. All I've seen for 50 years has been God. See? He could see God. See life. God is life. Life is God. A few, about two years ago, my good friend sitting in here somewhere and I were down in Kentucky squirrel hunting, letting off steam from the meeting. And we'd been camped out and I was dirty and uh, it's awful rude to make an expression like this before brethren. I hadn't had a bath in two weeks. and So so, uh, I I was really pretty... uh, Uh, well, I needed one pretty bad, (laughs) so, uh, but Brother Woods and I, he needed as bad as I did, so we just didn't notice each other. (laughs) So, uh, we, uh, it got awful dry back in the woods and our beard out on our face, and so we went to, uh the squirrels they uh, are tramping on the brush Why uh, they can hear you and oh my Houdini the escape artist has nothing on them little fellows. and down there when they get shot at anyhow they get wild they just escape and um, he said I I said brother Wood if we could find a place that had some hollers I wonder if these Brother, you know how many knows what a holler is? Amen. That's all right. It's a, you know, a ditch goes down through the woods. And usually there the water drains out and runs down. And it keeps the leaves wet. I said, if we had some, this is a big flat woods we were hunting in. And I said, uh, if we could find a place that had some big deep hollers where the springs uh, keep it. I said, we could find squirrels better. He said, oh, I know such a place. I said, well, we'll go. And we got in the car and left her camp and on the road over, he said, Brother Branham, he said, I want to tell you, he said, you better let me do the talking. I said, all right, you sure welcome. And he said, this man is an infidel, and oh, he's a rankest in the country. I said, uh, all, all right, uh, you do the talking then. So, um, so he said, I think he might know me. Mr. Wood was from down that country. So we... Uh, went on over to the place and we drove way back through the fields and down through the gaps and up over the hills. And So I had never been in the country. And uh, so when we got over there to this a certain place, well, uh, we stopped at a big house back there and there's two old men sitting out there, pretty well stricken in age, I guess in their 70s, sitting under an apple tree shade. We drove up. Mr. Wood got out and I heard the old Kentucky expression, Come in! You know, that's how they call the Indiana people Hoosiers, see, how they got that in the early days. In Kentucky, that was in the south. So when you come up to a southern home down there in the south, they'd say, hello, you would say, come in, no matter who you was, as long as you was walking, had shoes on, or if you didn't have shoes on, come in anyhow, you're welcome. Yeah. But when he got across the line in Indiana, there's a little suspicion, say, hello, he said, who's there? <laughs> <laughs> They want to know first i'm glad i'm a southerner and <laughs> i kind of like it that way and so he, he said come in so mr woods went up he said um the man by name he said you're he, he said i'm that varmint so he said uh, i seen he was rather a stern old fella and i said uh sat in the car and mr woods said I would like to ask you, he said, first I want to introduce myself, he said, my name is Wood, Bank Wood, and he said, I'm a squirrel hunting, and I've been over here on a certain place, and he said, it's Flatwoods, and it's got so dry over there, we knew you own some acreage here that had uh, hollers, and thought maybe I'd come over and ask you and you'd let me hunt, the old man spit his big chew back tobacco out, and he said, said, are you Jim Woods' boy? He said, I am. He said, Jim Woods? Now, they were Jehovah Witness, you know, David. He, I guess they have got in here this morning. They sell books there at the meeting. His leg had been drawn up under him, and, and Mr. Woods, being a Jehovah Witness, had come to one of the meetings. And before I left the building, the Holy Spirit had told me that there'd be a boy there and said his father's name would be Wood. And they're from southern Kentucky. And said, he's got a polio, and said, speak the word, he'll walk. I looked all around to see the vision. I couldn't see the boy. And I went on that while I spotted him way back in the back. Called his name. There come his legs straight. So he was no more Jehovah Witness. I, by the grace of God, I've led every one of his family, his father, a reader, and Jehovah Witness, all to Christ in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and rebaptized all of them. So Amen. then, um, Amen. So then, my visions, what the Lord would give, and say things that would take place. So then. Um, he said, anybody, anybody that's related? said Jim Woods' boy can hunt anywhere he wants to. He said, just help yourself. He said, I'll have 500 acres here of all virgin timber. Just help yourself. He said, I got my pasture along with me. You won't mind if he goes. He said, Woods, you don't mean to tell me you got low enough down. Do you have to carry a preacher with you wherever you go? <laughs> and so um, he said, well, I said, uh, and I thought it was about time me to get out. i <laughs> Got out of the car and walked around the side and I said, how do you do? And Mr. Wood was going to introduce me before he had time to do it. And all whiskers two weeks long and squirrel blood and stink like a polecat. So I (laughs) I, I started around there and I said, how do you do, sir? He said, and you're a preacher. I said, well, I'd like to be. (laughs) And he said, well, I just, you know, he said, I'm supposed to be an infidel. I said, not much to brag about, is it, sir? <laughs> he said, he said uh, no, I reckon it's not. He said, it's just one thing that I got against you, fellas. And I said, yes, sir, it's just one thing You're pretty good shape. (laughs) Some of them I met. (laughs) I got a lot of Christians that suppose he has got more than that against Amen. I said, I said, Well that's that's pretty good. (laughs) He said, What I got against you guys is this. You're always hollering about something that you know nothing about. I said, For instance, what, sir? And he said, you're talking about God, and there is no such a thing. Oh. I said, that's what it is. He said, yeah, that's it. Oh, Lord, you help me. (laughs) Um, Now, there's just two ways to approach anything, my brethren. That's the right way and the wrong way. I think, may I stop here a moment in my story, and say I think that's what's the matter with me and many of us brethren. We got a great product here, but we're approaching the public wrong with it too much, oh, it making us isolationists. Oh, it it'll sell itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just live. <laughs> You're the salt of the earth. Yes, that's right. And you salt, know. as long as the Savior's in the salt, it'll save if it contacts. But if it's lost its Savior, no matter how loud we shout down here and how much Amen. we jump up and down, there's got to be a life out here that backs that up. Amen. Amen. Right. Right. Yes. So I looked at the old gentleman and I thought, Lord, poor old fella, hammer around on these old clods here. My daddy would have lived, he'd been that, about that age. Now, there's just a little something here that you could help me to say, no doubt, that it helped the old fella to see. And I've seen many that call themselves infidels and I've... Stood by some of them when they were going they're not infidels they're just popping off and so that's the street expression but that's the way you'll understand it, isn't it? popping off and uh letting off steam <laughs> and i said well it's uh that's of course i said that's opinion of course and we stood there a moment and we were sitting under an apple tree he said i've been to them meetings and they're just like a lion dog he said i used to have an old lion dog and i shot him he said i'd follow him every night take him out here and he'd be barking and go up there and he's supposed to be a coon dog and said the coon would be up the tree and said then the first thing you know he'd be barking up this tree like that and i would go around there and shine the light all up the coon had done went out through the top i said but sir after all, the coon was there. <laughs> it's just a dog. <laughs> I hope he got what I meant. I'm sure you do. <laughs> so, uh, he said, um, so I shot him. And he said, uh, I don't, I don't like anything that'll lie. I think if a man talks, he ought to be knowing what he's talking about. I said, I certainly agree with you. He said there was one preacher that I heard, that if I ever get to see the man, so I never heard him, but I heard of him, if I ever get to see the man, I'm going to hear him. And I said, that's very nice. He said he come to a little place over here called Acton at the Methodist campground, and Brother Woods looked at me and I... (laughs) He said, oh, sister so-and-so up on the hill here, I forget her, never called her sister, miss somebody. It's about 65 Said she was dying with cancer in the stomach. And said she had doctors out of Louisville here and said they got a nice farm up there and said they could afford it. They took her up to Louisville for an operation, didn't do one bit of good to cut her open, sold her up. Cancer done wrapped her all through. Said she gradually died here for several months. Said finally got to a place that she was so bad, and I excuse me, my brother's sister, said they I'm just going to express it the way he said it. She couldn't even get onto the bedpan. They could never put one under. They couldn't raise her that high. They had to use a draw sheet, rubber sheet and then a draw sheet. Said wife and I went up there every morning and would change, her wife changed her bed and I'd help uh, get the sheets out from under and so forth. And said she just, the doctor said just give her a little uh, morphine or something to keep her as easy as possible until she died. Said she had about two weeks to live. And he said, uh, they come a preacher down here from Indiana and had over here at the Methodist campground, he said this, uh, several hundreds of people gathered over there. And they said, to you hear this preacher? And he said, um, and that night, said while he was preaching, said her sister was sitting back there, which is Mrs. So-and-so It lives over here on another ridge, and said this preacher was supposed to have something another that he could... uh Uh, tell the people about uh, what they had done and why they were sick and all about that and said I'd heard about it because of course I didn't believe such a radical thing as that and uh, he said but however this woman that night was sitting in the meeting and while the minister was speaking he turns to this woman in her sitting in the back of the building and said when you left home tonight back there miss so and so Said you picked up a little blue or ha- a little handkerchief with a blue figure in the corner of it off of a dresser, and you put it in your purse, and said uh, you're praying back there for your older sister who's dying by the name of so-and-so that lives over here on the hill. Said the Lord has heard your prayers. Now take this little handkerchief and lay it up on your sister, and the cancer will leave her. Well, said about round close to midnight that night, I thought they had the Salvation Army on the hillside up there. (laughs) Mm. All the screaming and hollering. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But (laughs) that was Ben. (laughs) Brother Ben, you know, that familiar squall of an amen he gets out every night in the meeting down there that shakes the place. Brother Ben had tucked the woman up there or to her sister and had laid the handkerchief on her, and Ben believed it. So he just started shouting before it happened. So <laughs> he was just getting at it first. So yeah. Brother Ben, he said, I thought the woman had died. Well, said so it was around midnight. So the next morning said, the wife and I went up there and said, You know what? So that woman was up cooking her breakfast eating fried apple pie. <laughs> How many of you rebels know what a fried apple pie is? Oh, my, do I love them. I like them to put molasses on them, see? And I, I, I'm i not a Methodist. I'm a Baptist. I like to baptize them with molasses. You'll know, put plenty of them, them and then eat them, hot butter and... Mm. So then when uh, she was eating these fried apple pies and said it really like to tuck wife and I off our feet and said... And if you don't believe that, <laughs> said, I'll take you right up there and show it to you right now. She's, and the old man sat there and said, that door is right. And the other old man. Said, and I said, oh, I believe you. He said, they tell me the man's coming over here to Camelsville at the stadium. And said, I'm going over to hear him and I'm going to talk to him. I said, yes, sir. And he said, And I'm going to ask him what that was that could tell him about that woman and know that she's going to be well. I said, now, I just don't understand it. Oh, I said, that's really phenomenal. I said, it certainly is. And uh, I thought, Lord, you help me now. (laughs) It's the next thing to say. But I remember my old mother used to tell me, give the cow enough rope, she'll hang herself, you know. So that, that's just about a good old southern expression that's true. I thought I'd just see how much he really cares. I'll throw him off the subject. I said, you mind if I have one of them apples? He said, the yellow jackets are eating them up. Yes, you can have one. You know what a yellow jacket is? They're sucking around on the apples. And it's about the middle of August. I picked up one and rubbed it on them old bloody, dirty pants and Dug a bite off of it. And I said, Andy, he said, oh, yes. it's said, dandy. I said, how, how long, how old is that tree? Well, he said, I planted the thing. I said, oh, he said, it's about 48 years old. He said, you see where that old chimney stands up on the hill? He said, I was born up yonder. He said, and, and when my uh, pappy died, he said, uh, uh, we built this house down here. He said, and then I moved down here and all my young'uns has been born down here and said, I've lived here ever since. And I planted that tree there, a little bitty thing. And I've just grown up with the tree. Yes, sir, I see. I said, uh, I noticed all them apples are falling off. He said, Yeah, yep. I said, The leaves are falling. Yes, sir. I said, That's strange, isn't it? He said, What do you mean? I said, You know, we haven't had no frost. And yet, those leaves are falling. And I said, that's the reason we come over here to hunt and holler. The leaves on the trees are falling. And I said, wonder why they're falling before they have any frost. Oh, he said, they, they fall before they have frost. And I said, yes, sir. And I said, uh, what makes them fall? He said, um, uh, well, the, the life left them. I see. And where did the life go? He said, it went back down the tree, into the root of the tree. Oh, I see. I said, otherwise, if that leaf stayed on there, and the life stayed up there, it would hold the leaf there. Oh, yes. And I said, then the leaf goes off the tree, back down to the root to hide. Yes. I said, why does it go down there? Well, he said, if it stayed up there, the winter would kill the the tree. The life has to go down into the root, in the warm ground, to preserve the life, to bring another leaf up next fall. Oh, I said, I see. And every time it comes up, it brings up a bunch of apples and so forth. Yeah, that's right. I said, well, sir, I'd like to ask you a question. He said, all right. I said, pray tell me what intelligence that tells that leaf before their ear, that life up in that tree. What intelligence tells that, that life, get away from up here and get down into the roots? Because if you don't, you're going to die. And I said, then, then the spring of the year, it brings up another leaf. I said, now, what makes it go down into the root of the tree? Oh, he said, that's nature for the water to drop. I said, all right. Perhaps I'll set a bucket of water on the post out here and about the middle of August it'll go down into the bottom of the post and come back again next spring. No, I won't do it. I, I said, why won't it do it? Well, he says, it is a nature part. I said, what is nature? Who governs nature? Why is it that it doesn't do it for the pine tree then? It stays up here. What different makes the, differentiates the difference between them? The old man studied a little bit. I said, "You see, sir." I said, "There has to be an intelligence because a tree has no intelligence. It has to be operated. It isn't a mechanical device. It is an intelligence that sends the life down into the root of the tree, like death, burial, and resurrection." Lived all that years and couldn't see life. I said, I have, I'm a missionary and I have heard all, I'm saying this to you, I've heard all their different ideas, Buddha, Hindu, and different theories, but they're all wrong. Christianity is based upon burial and resurrection, not reproduction. Resurrection. Amen. Not bring up something like it. The same thing that went down comes up. The same Jesus. If you'll notice, God testifies every day of our life. Of a morning, the sun is born. At 10 o'clock, it's in its teenage. At noontime, it's in its full strength. And it sets in the evening. Is that the end of it? Only to come up again. Birth life death resurrection constantly god testifying in life the tree goes back down the sap into the roots to bring forth life again next year we you and i are hanging on the tree of life we are we are the fruit of that tree The old man, after he sat there a little bit, he said, I never thought of that. I said, you haven't answered my question. I want you to tell me what intelligence that controls that life in that tree that goes down, this intelligence can speak to that life, not the tree, the life. The life that's in you, see, controls that life and runs it back down here and hides it. And Job said, hide out, hide me in the grave, keep me in a secret place. And then brings it back again in the spring. And he couldn't answer me. I said, the same intelligence that speaks to the life in that tree and says, hide if you expect to live. That's the same intelligence that told me what to say to that woman, <laughs> Amen. how to live, believe. He said, you're not the preacher. I said, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> there on the ground that day was a simple little story. I know it's getting late. I'm way or have been gone. I got this more that goes to it. But on that ground that day, but just a simple little thing of the man just seeing life, I led him to Christ. Last year I was back again, and his widow was sitting on the porch when I come up. She met me with her hands clasped in mine. She said, Brother Brandon he died in the faith of the Lord Jesus. He that believeth on the Son shall have, can see life. It's not hard for us then that we can see that there's something controls our life. That's what we're here to seek. Life and that more abundant. And I pray to God this morning in this breakfast that we will have abundance of life. And he who can speak to the tree with his intelligence And the tree quickly obeys the Master's call to hide if it expects life. And I know another great hiding place to preserve life. Let's us hide there this morning. Not in a bomb shelter, but beneath his wings. Let's hide. Can we pray? Our Heavenly Father, oh, we know that today, even now, we are just shrouded around with life. Yes. We feel it. We see the sunrise set. We watch the flowers as they bloom and then frost strikes them and the feudal procession comes along the fall rains and cries big tears down and buries them. They lay in the grave and rot. But that's not the end of it. Thou hast preserved their life. And then as soon as the sun, S-U-N, begins to rise, no matter if that seed, a big rock has been placed over it, or yards of concrete poured over it in the winter where that seed is buried, when that warm sun that controls botany life begins to warm the earth, that seed comes forth. We find the thickest of our grass right along the edge of the wall. It's the seed that was buried under there. It can't hide life. Life has to spring forth. We can put it in a basket and bury it in the bottom of the basket. Hang the basket in a tree, but the little life will grow up to the praises of God. Oh, God. May we not be so short-minded, so narrow, But just look around us and see God everywhere. And how much more can we see him this morning in his lovely children as we are fellowshipping together here in Christ Jesus, who is life. May every pilgrim, Lord, we are not of this world. We are pilgrims and strangers. We are sojourners. And as the sojourners from Georgia, from Canada, from Texas, from everywhere around, has met together here in these little places to swap our ideas and give our testimonies of his glory, may we go from this meeting just with abundance of eternal life that we might teach others the way to find it. We ask it in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Thank you. Let the man seated. Let Brother Brown get out oh, of here, like he'd like to go around. It's okay. okay. We'll, we need to do our services, so we'll wait till he gets out here. We don't want to get rid
1: of him, but I think this is the
0: best. Fellowship. I've been thought of as an isolationist, but I'm not. I I love fellowship, but here I, I'm holding the meeting down there. Rush out on down. You all have eternal life, so just believe it. But here, just a little place and go to talking to people, you see. If there's anything wrong, it starts vibrating. You catch it. See. And when you do that, then you see it just tears me to pieces for the evening again, you see. And I'm sure Christians understand this. Yes, sure. It doesn't, is, I don't love it. My, if it wasn't for you, what would my ministry be? How about those out there? No matter how great the ministry would be, it can't be great until you make it great. I can't do it myself. It takes you and I together to do it. By myself, it's nothing. By yourself, it's nothing. But us together, the Lord produces His ministry. If you didn't believe it, it would never happen. You've got to believe it. Then that's what makes it happen because you believe it. God bless you.